Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Trey Turner on the first pitch. Left field and it drops. Turner to second, a run scores, and that is ugly. It can't happen. This ball ends up in the Bermuda Triangle. There's got to be communication right there. Your center fielder is your leader. Lane Thomas isn't going for it. Dean trying to close late. I need both of them there, but I need Lane Thomas busting for that ball. There's three balls in this game that could have been caught. None easier than that ball. Yeah. Well, you look up and you're down 6 nothing, and that's a reason why. That is a reason why, and uh, the Cardinals did not play sharp baseball yesterday. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show with BK. It is an off day for the Cardinals, and they will travel to Philly tomorrow. And good morning, guys. What's going on? Good morning. Uh, could be better, Dan. Enjoy watching winning baseball. And let me tell you, the uh, the game on Tuesday night was much more enjoyable from that respect than the game yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, just ugly game defensively. Uh, Lane Thomas had a tough afternoon. There's yeah. no other way to put it. It was a tough afternoon for him. And Mike Schilt on what he's seen so far after the call-up of Lane Thomas. Just go make plays. Do the best you can. Be aggressive. We'll take our best shot. You know, I mean, earlier in the game, he comes in and dives for a ball and gets by him. You know, you can live with that. You know, just go play and uh, trust your ability and let it, let it all hang out. And, you know, after that, it is what it is. You know, your ability is your ability. So, you know, Wayne's been a good player for us. Um, he's got a lot of skills, and he's got a chance to, to help us for sure, has helped us. So it wasn't maybe the best day f- for him, but, but we move on, and he'll move on. He'll be fine. And the key, I think, that he said right there, in my opinion, in watching the game is trust your ability. I think we've seen him play aggressively in the past, specifically in 2019, and that's why you were excited about Lane Thomas. Last year gets hit with COVID, came back, wasn't the same player. Saw him in an early spring off to a really good start i want to see him play aggressively don't play frightened play aggressively trust your ability he is a good player he can play at this level he's got to trust his ability and there was it's almost one of those things where like a a person will overcorrect right i'm a chiefs fan and their general manager every time that things go wrong for them they overcorrect the offensive line gets hurt now he only signs guys that are healthy so yesterday Applying that to Lane Thomas, you see the first misplay, right? Where he, I don't even, it's, maybe it's unfair to categorize it as a misplay, but he dies for the ball and it gets behind him. And then after that, now he's kind of, he's misjudging everything after the fact. And he's playing a little bit more hesitant. The fly he's ball. The, yeah, the, the fly ball that you just heard the play-by-play of with you and BT, that's one where just, just call off Austin Dean. You can go get that. That's that's you, Lane Thomas. You're, you're in center. You can take charge. And he's playing timid. And that's part of the issue here oh that's the issue i think i mean he's timid at the plate yesterday uh let's see he was 0 for 4 he had a strikeout so you know it's not just uh, lane thomas but we're talking about trying to figure out the outfield situation about a week and a half in for mike Schild. all we're asking for is go make routine plays and, and and be clean and be aggressive and assertive and trust yourself and question earlier today about you know williams getting comfortable well, well how's that happen you get opportunities, you know, you get opportunities. And so it's chicken egg, right? And you want to find out and you want to be patient. And you want to give guys learning curves and opportunities. Well, that's great. And that's, I understand that. That's, that's, you know, they have to start somewhere. And um, when you have a couple, three of them doing it at the same time, it's a little more of a, of a challenge, but 
um, nonetheless, it's um, part of it, and we, we find out, and the biggest thing you want them to do is be able to grow from it. And learning on the job, and that's what Mike Schild is doing right now and trying to figure out the combination of, of what they want to do with the outfield if it's Lane Thomas, still waiting for Bader. Tyler O'Neill is going to get a great shot, but he's hurt. So Austin Dean gets more of a shot. Love what I see with Dean at the plate. You know, defensively, there's been some miscues there. So it's young players learning on the fly, and that's what the Cardinals have right now. It is, and it's it's tough if you're Mike Schiltz because your job every day is to put the best lineup on the field to be able to win these games, right? But you also understand that you need to find out what some of these guys can do. That's kind of the mandate, if you will, coming down from the team is we need to find out what our young outfielders are because we don't want another Randy Rosarena situation where we ship them off without really finding out what they can do in the big leagues. So that's what they're finding out right now. And the results are mixed. You like what you've seen so far from Carlson. Like you said, Austin Dean has looked pretty good at the plate. I think he's got a future Dan as a fourth outfielder in the big leagues. I think he can be that for somebody, especially in the national league this year. You just need to find more answers out there. And right now, you're, you've are you got more questions than answers. There was a great moment, though, at the park yesterday. The first pitch by Wainwright. And with that pitch, Yadier Molina becomes the first catcher in Major League history with 2,000 games caught with one team. Just the sixth catcher overall to get to this incredible milestone. 2,000 games as a catcher. Great moment again on this homestand. We've had a bunch of them. Yadier Molina now with 2,000 games caught all with the St. Louis Cardinals. That's, <laughs> that is amazing. In, in this day and age, now it's one thing to get to 2,000 games. There's only six that have ever done that in games caught. Yadi, by my calculations, would have to play through age 42 season to catch Pud Rodriguez. So got to be healthy. Got to have a place to play at age 42, and, uh, you know, he could get there. It would be tough. It would be an un- incredible milestone. The thing that's amazing to me, it's it's getting to 2,000. That's amazing, but doing it with one team. In this day and age of free agency, I mentioned on the game yesterday, and being a preeminent player in the game where some franchise, if you hit free agency, comes in and drops a pile of money on you, and you say, I, I just can't turn it down. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to New York. I'm going to Chicago, whatever. And he didn't do that. Now, he was paid handsomely and has been paid handsomely, currently paid handsomely by the Cardinals. So they paid him a lot of money. But the point is, in this day in free agency, you just don't see that very often. I'm glad that the Cardinals value legacy in some ways. I think sometimes there is too much of an importance placed on legacy. But on a guy like Yadier Molina, seeing these milestones achieved here matters you know like we've talked so much about Albert Pujols what if he came back for one last little run here in St. Louis what would that be like to watch all of his milestones it'd be amazing there's no doubt about it because these fans understand what he was as a player previously in a way that LA just can't that's what we're watching right now with Yadier Molina there is no other fan base that would appreciate this the way that St. Louis appreciates it if you went to New York this year they wouldn't have celebrated his 2000th game like that. It wouldn't have been the same. And so there is something special about the intimate relationship that takes place between a player and a city that have spent the last 15 years getting to know one another. 15 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yadi and Wayno together again yesterday. Yeah. Very, very special for me uh, to have my brother there on the mound for, uh, for this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I never expect less from Bueno. He's uh, been there for me for many years, um, and this year, um, this game was one of the best game for me. 
How about what Yachty's doing at the plate? He had another hit yesterday, so 10-game hitting streak going into the series with the Phillies. He's batting 342. His on-base percentage is near 400. His OPS is 30th in baseball. Not just the National League, not just the Central, in all of baseball. A couple of home runs. He's driven in eight, four walks on the year. He's also scored eight runs in the 10-game hitting streak. And yesterday, he had Wayno on the mound. Somebody just said this in our clubhouse. Anytime you hear the only one in MLB history to do anything, you know, that's pretty cool. And so... 2,000 games with the same team as a catcher. You know, 2,000 games, catching 2,000 games, period, is just kind of ridiculous anyways. And then with the same team here in St. Louis the whole time, it's just a really, he's just a really special player in a really special place. And and uh, glad we got to witness his, as much greatness as we have out of him over the years. So some highlights, I think, from the homestand, certainly not a highlight, is only winning two games, which is what it's all about. It's results-driven business. You're there to win games. But that was a great highlight. Opening day, Arenado highlight. Opening day in general highlight. Colton Wong doing what he did. Mm -hmm. The Matt Carpenter home run. So some pretty good moments with fans back in the stands. But... Uh, it's about winning games, and right now the Cardinals are a 500 team, and they've got a tough road trip coming up with the Phillies and the Nationals. The toughest part to me, Dan, is that you've gone against some like peer programs, if you will, in the National League. Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Washington, teams that are kind of in that same 85 to 90 win range in terms of the projections in the preseason. And you lost all three series against those three teams, and that's that's difficult early on. It's early. It's 12 games into the season. We're not even 10% of the way through this thing. No. But it, early indicators are are disappointing if you're a Cardinals fan, and I get that completely. The biggest thing to me, we've talked so much about the uh, offense, and we will continue doing so, I'm sure. The outfield situation, we'll talk about all of that. It's the rotation. Yep. And there's an obvious reason as to why. It's the injuries. KK, Michael is going down. Really hurt this team a lot coming into the season. I was just going to say that before you went into this is that having those guys out has been massive. And it's not to make excuses. You got to you got to deal with injuries all season long. But those two guys not being a part of the rotation, because then it lessens your bullpen. You got two other guys that you'd have in your bullpen. It's, it's a trickle-down effect with this. Um, the other thing about the rotation, just not going deep. Now, we're seeing that across the board in baseball, but uh, with the Cardinals, the, the current model of guys going five, that is not going to cut it. You, you have to go more than – I mean, even the other night with Flaherty, he picks up a win. He's 2-0, and oh, but you had a six-run lead, I think it was at the time, or 6-1. You want your number one to give you a big lead more than five. Yeah. Got to go, gotta have more than five. I looked up some of the numbers last night, Dan, because I was just curious. You know, now that we are officially through these first four series, where do they stand, especially with the off day today? Cardinals rotation along National League teams, last in ERA, 14th in strikeout rate, 11th in walk rate, last in batting average against, and last, this is a big one, in first pitch strikes. Mm -hmm. They're not getting ahead in counts right now, and that's making the pitch count go up. They're not able to go deeper into games. They're getting hit around. Like, it's everything. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong early in the season for the Cardinals rotation. Which, to me, shouldn't happen. Uh, When you have the defense, typically, now yesterday was a different story, but typically this team should be one of the better defensive teams in the league, especially when Tommy Edmond is at second base and you have Bader in center, O'Neill in left, Carlson in right. Um, man, just saying that's a different team. But when you have those guys defensively, uh, first pitch strikes and pitch to contact should be part of the, the process here. I, I get that you're paid on strikeouts. I get that's where the game is going. However, 
pitch to contact, let your defense do some work. So first pitch strikes, that shouldn't be happening. You know what else really surprised me as I was looking up some of these numbers for both the rotation and the relievers? The Cardinals are the third lowest ground ball rate in the National League, which surprised me because you think Cardinals institutionally, and you're like, oh, yeah, sinkers, ground ball team. And right now, with the infield that the Cardinals have, that'd be great because you love everything that they have defensively on the infield. The outfield is where some of the shakiness has occurred defensively early in the season. And when you're throwing mostly balls that are ending up in play in the outfield, that's part of what's going into this as well. The guy that I thought had a great homestand and one appearance was Johan Oviedo. I cannot wait to see him get back out there in whatever role that they position him in. And I I think there's a shot that he winds up in this rotation before it's all said and done, especially if he pitches like he did the other day. He has improved on all his pitches. And he was efficient. He was he was a guy that was throwing first pitch strikes. He was a guy that was getting contact. He was a guy that, if he needed a strikeout, was getting it. I saw a different delivery, too, more compact. So I'm excited to see the next time that he gets out there. You know what I liked about him, Dan? Um, and you mentioned this about Lane Thomas, kind of the opposite. I liked that he wasn't timid. He wasn't yep. trying to nibble. We've seen no. Jack Flaherty early this season. Sometimes it is trying to be a little too fine. I remember um, when it was Luke Weaver coming up the first time. That was oh, his yeah. issue. He was right around the strike zone, but not willing to attack. Johan Oviedo, you can say a lot of things about him. That dude is not afraid. He's going to come after you, and he trusts in his stuff. And that alone, with this defense, especially in the infield, it's going to play. It's going to play. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Text line, I've seen the first positive Whoa. text about an outfielder. Uh, 314, I like Justin Williams. He plays really good defense. And after a couple of games, he's going to get comfortable. I guarantee by the All-Star break, Justin Williams will be a really good player for you. That's the hope. It's the hope with all these guys. Um, That's the first positive text I think I've ever seen on the text line about an outfielder. Of the Cardinals. Yes. Yeah. People like Dylan Carlson. No, even then, maybe I just overlooked the positives. Uh, you can text in the Air Comfort Service text line. We're going to go through a bunch of them if you uh, want to text in, comment, questions, whatever, 65780-65780. Mention that, generally speaking, the Cardinals just aren't going deep into games. Yesterday, five innings from Wayno, seven hits, couple of walks, four runs, three earned, uh, two walks. I... I felt it, the defense could have been better behind him. I even think the Zimmerman home run... You know, been caught. It, it would have been a great catch, but that's a chance. The other one that he dove for in Lane Thomas in center, you know, you appreciate the effort, but again, that's got to be kept in front at a minimum if you don't catch it. So there's some things there that need to improve, but we know on what he needs to do to be more efficient. Yeah. I mean, I certainly felt like I, I could have had at least another inning or two in there. Um, you know, 80 pitches through five is still too way too much. So just got to attack hitters. You know, I had great stuff today. Just got to, you know, the, they, they battled, though. They, they fought off a lot of tough pitches and got into some counts and, and fouled off pitches that, you know, normally I think people would get out on and took some really close pitches. They, they, they worked me today. They were, they, were, uh, they were on their game. It's a bunch of really quality professional hitters over there. So sometimes they're going to do that. But we, we as a collective staff have to, have to put hitters on the defensive more often. We have to work ahead in the count more often. We have to avoid deep counts more often. You know, we just have to be a lot more efficient. That's 
that's the way it is. It's so hard to hit a baseball, and we have a great defense, so we need to use it. Yeah, there he's talking about what Mike Schilt was talking about, too, and what you mentioned earlier, getting deep into the game, but also that happens with strike one. That's the the way to be efficient. Right now, Wayno three starts, 12 and two-thirds, 10 earned and a 7 ERA, 19 hits, 5 walks, 14 strikeouts. Um, I did think that the Nationals had good at-bats against him, and I did think Wayno had good stuff. It was just one of those days it didn't work out. I think that there is some sense of being disappointed so far with what you've seen out of Adam Wainwright, and I think that's probably fair given our expectations coming into the season. But I've done some reevaluations, Dan, um, getting into my own psychoanalysis of my head. I think maybe we were a little unfair with our expectations of what Adam Wainwright should be coming into this season. He was awesome last year, but he's a 39-year-old starter who you came into the season, you should have probably hoped that he could get back to that place. But realistically speaking, you probably knew there was going to be some regression that was coming from him. The problem is so much more pressure was put on Adam Wainwright's shoulders when KK went down and when, when Miles Michaelis goes down, because then we all looked to, or at least I did, looked at Wayno as that's the stabilizing force. Yeah, maybe it takes a little bit of time for Jack to be Jack. Maybe Carlos Martinez is going to be a little topsy-turvy. Maybe the back end of your rotation doesn't look great to start out the season while these guys are on the mend, but Wayno's going to be Wayno. He's going to get us through it. And looking back on it, maybe that was a little unfair to expect out of a 39-year-old coming into this season. Uh, 217, hate analysis at the beginning of a baseball season, small sample size, the narrative changes every day. Pitching has been alarming. Offense has been hit, literally hit or miss. Uh, I'm with you, I, I, but I think you can see some trends that happen with teams, and that's one of the things. Oh, you so have we got to, a job to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you you take a look at every single day and you break down the game. And we were talking yesterday at this time about how exciting the game was the night before, and if Carpenter hits, and if Justin Williams can do what he did, you've got something there. That's that's the ups and downs of a baseball season. But I, I am with the texture. Um, I think we we. Well, I'll say this. I was watching John Smoltz yesterday on MLB Network, and he basically said the same thing that a texter said. He said, I cannot stand the first two weeks of a baseball season and how we jump to conclusions. That's true. The, the thing, though, with the Cardinals is that these guys have been giving, uh, given chances in the past, and the track record hasn't quite been there to live up to what you need to be as an everyday player. And that's why I think there's frustration with the fan base. The Rosarena trade is going to upset fans, too. There's no doubt. And you say, well, there's your... There's your middle-of-the-order bat. There's your outfielder, and you're searching for it right now. I get that. Um, But I I think, generally speaking, you do have to let things play out. I'm usually a guy that, by Memorial Day, I think you know what you have. And you either make the adjustments, you go make trades, you call guys up. But that's kind of the trend of your team. Um, and, And, again, other teams get hot. I mean, two years ago, the Nationals were awful. And they win the World Series. They were like 19 and 33 to start their season. And then things caught on fire. I think if you're a Cardinal fan, you say, all right, KK goes Saturday. That's a big difference. Can you get Michaelis back? That's a big difference. Then you take two pieces out of your rotation that go to your bullpen. That's covering more innings because they're stretched out as starters. That's where you get excited about what could happen pitching-wise. And that's how they won games last year. Offense wasn't great, needed to be better. How'd they win? They dominated with their pitching. That's a, that, And that's, I think, what you're hanging your hat on right you know now. The they could really use right now, Dan, is Harrison Bader. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I know nobody wants to hear it, and I know I'm the Bader guy, right? I'm, I am leading the charge with that. 
right now, they could really use a stabilizing force in the outfield defensively. And that's what Harrison Bader brings you, if nothing else. Maybe he's going to stink against right-handed pitching again. Maybe he really struggles at the plate in that those situations. Right now, that's all right, man, because the guys that you're putting out there now are struggling more often than not against right-handed pitching. So if I've got him out there, I feel much better defensively in my outfield. If I've got KK coming back into the rotation here very soon, I feel much better about both the rotation and the bullpen because now you've got more length coming from KK. So there's a couple of guys that should be coming back at some point within the next couple of weeks that make you feel a lot better about the team. But one thing that I do kind of like about the analysis early this season for the Cardinals specifically, it's almost like an extended spring training in some ways. You're getting guys that have an opportunity. And the question was, will they run with it or not? Let's be honest, they haven't. And so that's where these guys coming back, they're going to get right back into their everyday opportunities that they would have had previously. Um, We go to 314. Lane Thomas needs to uh, come out and be better. Okay, yeah, I get it. Uh, wasn't great yesterday. They gave DeYoung the day off yesterday, and Edmundo Sosa for Mike Schilt made that start. I was pleased with Sosa. Um, he was on point, looking in, working well with Yachty. Um, made a nice play, the, his backhand. Made the routine plays, took a good at bat, base hit to right, you know, got hit, worked another at bat. I thought he did a nice job and played the game, you know, the way we like to play it. Just went and played. I like that. I like the fact that they gave DeYoung the day off, too. I, I think he needs a reset, and sometimes the way that you reset is with the day off. You tell the guy, look, unless it's an emergency, you're wearing your uh, you're, you're wearing tennis shoes. You don't put on the spikes. Take a day mentally off. You got the off day today. You travel to Philly. You play a night game tomorrow, and it's a reset button for him. That's another aspect of this team that if he hits and gives you protection around Arenado, it's a different looking club because at some point other teams are going to say when Goldschmidt and Arnato are coming up, we're not pitching to them. And that's where you have to have some type of protection around these guys. You can go through all the analytics. Baseball is still baseball. Yep. And you still look at somebody in that lineup and say, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll pitch to this guy instead. We'll take our chances. And that is going to start happening. So we did our 20 most important Cardinals for the 2021 season on BK and Ferrario, Dan. And we had Paul I didn't De- miss one of them. <laughs> we had, in case you did, for any of our okay. listeners who might have, uh, we had Paul DeYoung at number three in terms of the 20 most important Cardinals going into this season. And looking back, that seems high. I think it's right. I think that is where he deserves to be, or at least somewhere in the top five, because when he is going through struggles offensively the way that he has this season, you're watching the results because it they they lack the length in their lineup when he is not that guy. And for the last two years now, it's been a two-year sample size almost exactly where he hasn't really been the guy that we saw early on in his career, and they need him to get at least closer to that, even if it's 75-80% offensively of what he once was. If they can get that guy batting like sixth in their lineup – now I feel really good about what the Cardinals bring to the table every day. Unfortunately, right now, he doesn't look like that player. Who is number one on your list? Flaherty at number one. Okay. We had Jack Flaherty one, Nolan Arenado two, Paul DeYoung three, Paul Goldschmidt four, and Dylan Carlson five. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the other thing, too, if Carlson can be what he was, and he's made some adjustments. I can already see what he's doing at the plate. He's, he's made adjustments um, when he got back here to Bush Stadium and and – you can just see he's not hitting off his back heel. He's not lifting as much. There was more contact with line drives. He had a three for four night the other night. Um, that's another key, too. So when you talk about the middle of the lineup and lengthening the lineup and protection in the lineup, 
that's somebody that maybe you're going to have to count on here and move him up in the lineup to be the productive team that you expect to be. They've got to do something about their cleanup situation right now. Like that, that is, that is the big spot because I love what Yachty's been so far this season. He's been great offensively. You can't expect anything more. I also can't expect this to sustain it's 38. itself. It's just not realistic from a catcher who's 38 years old to perform like this offensively as you're getting into June and July where it's really hot. It's the dog days of summer. Yachty's awesome. He's excellent. I just can't put that kind of a burden on him offensively when I need so much from him on the other side of things. And Paul DeYoung on the season, Dan, his 14 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. In those 14 plate appearances, he's two for 13 with one walk and four strikeouts. He has two RBI, two in 14 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. That's just not good enough. And he's the guy that you were counting on to be your cleanup hitter coming into the year. I don't think Dylan Carlson is going to profile as that moving forward. I don't think that's the best spot for him. By the way, on Yachty, have you noticed he looks bigger? A little bit. I think he looks a lot bigger, and I wonder how that plays out throughout the season in a good way. I'm not saying he looks bad. I mean, it's good. I think and we're seeing more power. Uh, and I understand that, you know, he runs a ton. He runs a, all the time, like in yep. the off season, just to get ready for the regular season. But maybe by design, he looks a little bit bigger to get him through the summer months. To your point, you know, it gets hot. It's tough. Um, so, you know, I, I just I think it's going to be interesting exactly how this goes forward. I think Carlson is probably the best option you have right now. Yeah. And I know that is a lot to put on a young player. You just saw him do it. He was one of your best hitters in the playoffs last year. He was batting cleanup for you. I think he can handle it. I think mentally he's a guy that can get get it done. Again, I don't think that's where he profiles moving forward. But for the right here and now, when you don't really have another option, I think he's the guy that should be batting fourth for you. I think you put Yachty fifth. You put Paul DeYoung sixth, and you see what that looks like for the foreseeable future. All right, we're going to take a quick break and more coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Blues back in action, as Tanner said, uh, tomorrow. And shockingly, they'll be playing the Coyotes. I haven't seen those two teams hook up. So looking forward to it. It's been a long time. It has been a minute. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been like a month, right? It's like a good reunion, right? Yeah, just, you're right. You know, family yeah. reunion. Let's get together. Let's have a little fun. We'll, Those are we'll, always fun. We'll, exactly, Tanner. We'll drop the puck. You know, just good guys it's hanging out. kind of how I feel about the Nationals. You know, we're just going to like, we're going to go away from one another for a weekend. And then we're going to be right back with them next Monday. It's going to be great. You know, I don't like that. No, I don't, you don't? I don't like playing, don't um, you know, it happens every year because you have an unbalanced schedule and you'll face a team in the West or the East and you'll be done with them in April. So much changes from April to September or even August. Like Max Scherzer is pitching for the Cardinals now in September. Talking. Now you're talking. Next week, we're expected <laughs> to see him against the Cardinals. So come right. on, that's unfair. I just don't like that. I, I hope in the new CBA, well, first of all, let's just get the CBA done one way or another. Hell yeah. I don't care how they get it done. Just get it done for many, many reasons. Um, but I hope in the new CBA... And I think you could do this with expansion. You know, you would go to add two more teams and then you have a balanced schedule. Every team plays each other, but you go out twice to face the Dodgers. Dodgers come here twice. I said this on the morning show, like, you know, it's it's great to see greatness come through your city. And in my opinion, the closest thing I've seen to maybe Albert Pujols 
is Miguel Cabrera. And now from the left-handed side, it's it's Juan Soto. That was like watching for me. I just couldn't help myself. I was I did almost every one of his games in St. Louis. I was like, this is like watching Albert Pujols hit yep. from the left side. You know, something magical could happen. His understanding of the strike zone. The fact that he'll take a ball the other way. Uh, he'll hit for power. You, you don't want to face him in a key spot. He doesn't expand his own, so he's always going to get strikes to hit. It was like watching Albert, and that's fun. I mean, as a baseball fan, not just a Cardinal fan, but a baseball fan, I want to see those guys. I want to see Corbin Burns. I don't need to see him 18 times. Boy. He's really good. Holy cow. That dude is off to a literally historic start. Yeah. One of the best starts we've ever seen in the history of baseball. He's the Cy Young of 12 days. Yeah. Now, can he do it for six months? We'll see. But he's really good. Um, when the Dodgers come to town, I want to see Mookie Betts. And I only, I don't want to just see him. I want to see their team. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty good. Trevor Bauer's interesting. You know, and if you play a team, you, you would like to think. Now, they Cardinal, the Cardinals played the Reds 10 times last year. We never saw Trevor Bauer. Weird. It's crazy. Just, just how the season worked. But you'd like to think that if you're seeing uh, 12 games between the two teams, at, at some point you're going to see Trevor Bauer. As a baseball fan, that's interesting to me. He's an interesting character. I want to watch it. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe folks like the way that the schedule is set up. I'm sure we'll get some response on the text line, but I don't want to be done with the Nationals by next week. I don't like that. I don't either. Um, I am happy that it looks like, based on the way that the schedule sets up, Scherzer is expected to start in the last game of that series Saw next that. week. Yep. So fingers crossed that things stay that way. It stays on track for him to be able to start against the Cardinals. I wish that start happened in St. Louis as opposed to in Washington, but that, that stuff happens sometimes. I am curious, Dan, who do you think are the biggest draws? So this is different, yeah. right? Like Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. And for maybe fans here in St. Louis, he'd maybe be the biggest draw because of the way that this fan base is. But like my hometown of Kansas City, he's not a big draw. I got to be honest with you. He's You're just right. It's different baseball markets. Like Fernando Tatis Jr. in KC, big time draw. Mookie but, Betts. But you would only see them, though, one time because they interleague play one time in a four year period, maybe. Who do you think are those the biggest draws right now in baseball for the casual fan, not the guy that's like you that's watching MLB Network at 1130 right. to see all of the games that are taking place. But who's the biggest draw right now in baseball? It's a good question. I would say just because they're Yankees, I think Stanton and Judge, I'm not saying they're the biggest, but that would be, you know, because you're always as a fan across the country, you're always hearing about the mm -hmm. Yankees or you're hearing about the big market teams. I think Lindor would be a draw. If you're really a baseball fan, I mean, you got to be diving in. Uh, Soto is a baseball guy that, as a fan, that I go, oh, I'd pay to go watch him. Max Scherzer, I'd go pay to watch him. Albert Pujols closing in on a milestone, I'd go pay to watch that. I'd go pay to watch uh, Trout play. I'd go pay certainly to pay uh, play, well, watch play Fernando Tatis Jr. He's awesome. I mean, he's awesome. And they, they play with flair. And I think it's to the eye of the beholder, right? Like a young fan loves the Soto shuffle. Yep. Older fan goes, eh, I don't know. I don't like that. Right. You know, that I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. Or Tanner. Whoa. Oh, I like those. So <laughs> just throw me under the bus. I like the Soto shuffle. Tanner's got some tendencies that could go a little. I got, I text line told me yesterday I have an AARP member. I'm an AARP member. Are you an old man inside a 21-year-old yes. body? Yes, Dan. Yeah, he, yes. Here's the beauty of Tanner, though. He admits it. Oh, yeah. It's so, great. And I know nothing about the 90s, as I figured out yesterday. Uh, yeah. I get it. 
Well, Randy's singing in 80s karaoke tomorrow. That's tremendous. He lost a bet. He's going to sing Madonna's Like a Virgin, which would be interesting. Yeah. On baseball. So yes. coming up at... Uh, I'm kidding. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, that it's, 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 it's what he's singing. No big deal. I think Tatis would be the number one draw. For the I think so, fan. too. I think right well, now the other he's thing number one. He's done is that if you tune into a Major League Baseball game, he's on some of the national commercials, yeah. and he's flipping his hair, and he's fun, and he's smiling, and he's obviously an electric player. So that would be, I think, bringing in the casual fan. I think a diehard baseball fan would say, ooh, I want to watch that Juan Soto. He might be the draw. You know who else is Ronald Acuna with That's the way the that other he's one. playing? I think he might be one of those as well. I think it is for the diehard fan, though. I'm not sure. Like, I don't think my fiance knows who Ronald Acuna is. So he is a fantastic, all-time, potentially great baseball player. But I'm not sure that he has quite reached the level of superstardom that Fernando Tatis Jr. has for the casual fan. Yes. Uh, Another one that I think, for instance, this weekend, I I said when you're watching the game, I think that you stop and watch Bryce Harper. Absolutely. Good or bad? Throwing helmets, getting mad, hair flipping. You know, he might hit a 500-foot home run. You're not sure what he's going to do. But Bryce Harper is going to make you stop and watch. Bryce Harper, I think for the casual fan, is a bigger draw than Mike Trout. Oh, I don't for know sure. that that is fair. Mike Trout's a better baseball player. Yeah. But I think for the casual fan, Bryce Harper would be a bigger draw than Mike Trout. See, I kind of feel like Harper's kind of, uh, what's the word? Kind of fallen off a little bit in popularity. Because I was just thinking, like, it took for me a moment to remember who, like, who's the big name on the Philadelphia Phillies. JT Romuto, Bryce Harper. They got they got to, they have a lefty that's throwing like 101 that we'll oh, see in the series this weekend. He's fantastic. and he's got he's like the left-handed version of Hicks. He's he's kind of fun to watch because um, I watch baseball and I was I watching him do. the other Did night. Did you watch last night? Yeah, the no hitter that was nearly was a perfect game. Yeah, I'm curious baseball uh, baseball wise the hit by pitch. Do you get out of the way of that or are you good with him taking it? I thought it was fine. It was a slider that went to the back foot, which you get back foot sliders. It just happened to literally, you hear that term, literally hit and the back the way, foot. And by the way, for anybody that didn't watch it last night, Carlos Rondon goes into the ninth inning yeah. of a of a perfect game at that point in time. I think he had one out when this took place. He ended up hitting a player with that slider that Dan's talking about, and that broke up the perfect game, but he ended up still getting the no-hitter. I Honestly, I was okay with it. I, I would have been more frustrated like in Scherzer's, perfect game bid it was jose tabata remember him from the pirates mm-hmm. and he had the the elbow guard and he leaned over the plate kind of like what we saw with the mets the other day with conforto uh, wasn't it conforto i think it was that leaned over the plate yeah, and they yeah. had to walk off um i have more problems with that than because you how many times have we seen colton wong matt carpenter you know guys that get the that back foot slider and it happens so I'm okay, I'm more okay with that than I am having a guy lean out over the plate. And it's up to the discretion, truly, of the discretion of the umpire. Did he make an effort to get out of the way? So I was okay with it. I didn't like it, but I was okay with it. Yeah, it just sucks because, man, he yeah. was cruising. He, he got up awesome. to like 99 miles an hour on a couple of those fastballs late. It was crazy. It yeah. was crazy to watch. And it, the energy was amazing. And you could tell, like, he was ramped up. Yes. And so it almost... I was kind of disappointed that he threw the pitch, honestly, because you've got that high heat and it's working and they cannot catch up to it right now. So I was hoping you would just keep going back to it. And eventually he did. And that's how he got out of the inning. 
out of the game. But man, it, it just sucks to watch because he was so close. He he nearly had it. And that play by Jose Abreu, by the way. I was ask you about that. What'd you think? Holy cow. I mean, that that's he's incredible. Out, right? You thought he was out. Yeah, they, they made the right call. I and thought he was too. Credit to the first base ump for making the correct call in that spot yeah. because that, that was bang, bang. It was right there. But huge credit to Jose Abreu, man. That is a an MVP candidate perennially who laid it all on the line and could have injured himself pretty easily by making a play for his guy. That's huge. I don't know if you guys agree with this. Something I'm picking up uh, a trend in baseball. And so maybe it's because I was at an actual game with fans. So I would just got accustomed to seeing cardboard cutouts, piped in crowd, that kind of thing. I think the Cardinal fans have been more into it this year than I remember. Like if you had a full crowd, I think a lot of fans go there and they just, they're enjoying yep. their food and they're in, you know, it's, it's nice. You're at the ballpark and you're enjoying yourself. Great. No problem. I, I feel like they're more electric this year. Maybe it's because I'm used to not having fans and maybe it's because fans are just excited to be back, but like early situations in these games, you're hearing the fans get into it. And it's more so than I remember, even when there was 40, 45,000 there. I, you guys agree or not? Or am I out of my mind? I would here? agree with you because, like, watching the games, it does seem like when there are moments, it does seem louder than what I yeah. expected for. I don't know what we're at capacity 13, wise, thirteen thousand, and it's going to be like that in May too. And mm-hmm. it seems it seems a lot louder than that. So I would agree with you. I, I think that way too. So yeah, I, I've taken off my headset just to say okay, because you get when you're doing a game and you have a headset on, you're getting a, the parabolic mics, you're getting different things that you hope are being executed properly to get it at home. You know, give you a feel of what's going on at the ballpark. But I think what, when I've taken off my headset or just kind of one ear out, one ear on, I'm like, man, these people are really into it. And I've noticed on the road games, too. Like, I thought the Reds crowd was like really excited. Well, they had a lot to be excited about, but sure. they, they were loud. They were loud. I would say the word that I would use is, in, is engaged. Like, yeah, that's a good like way to put it. feels like they are in tune with the moment of what is happening in the game at any given time. So, like, when Wayno needs a little bit of a pick-me-up, yeah, is that's a what I noticed jam, it. right? Like, okay, we're here for you, Wayno. They, they feel like, and this is St. Louis in general, but they know what is happening in the game and they are aware of it and they know when they need to be a part of what is happening in the game. And that's that's what I've noticed so far, especially for the Cardinals games in this homestand. It feels like they're more engaged than they were. Totally agree. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. <laughs> Tanner just said that his 40 followers on Twitter are very positive. Yeah, nobody's negative on my Tanner, Twitter. what's your Twitter account? At what's T-Bone 101 ESPN. At T-Bone 101 ESPN. Don't bring oh, the negativity, though. Don't bring the negativity. <sighs> Do I follow you? I don't, there's only 40. I don't know. <laughs> we can go through and parse with a fine tooth. I'm telling you. At T-Bone. Okay. I got to figure this out. And while I'm doing this... Um, what do you guys have coming up on your show? So I'm very excited about our show, as always, Dan. Uh, coming there up today, is. we've got Charlie Manuel. You have 41 former, followers now. There yes. we go. The former Philadelphia Phillies manager won the World Series with them in 2008. It was the manager in 2011 yeah. when the Cardinals beat the Phillies in the NLDS. And he, he is a great baseball mind. Hitting is just, he's awesome. He's incredible. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What would you want to ask Charlie Manuel? About the game today and how the game is being taught and the three out, three true outcomes. Mm-hmm. And how do we get away from that? How do we put the ball in play more? 
You know, is it is it a byproduct that we're teaching kids launch angle, or are we at a time where baseball, the pitchers are just so good, and this is what we have? I'd be very curious yeah. on his thoughts on that. My biggest thing that I want to ask him about is, like, he was in the dugout for Game 5, Holiday yeah. versus Carpenter. What was that like? Like, what was that night like for him to be able to watch as a baseball lifer? As he is. I hate saying this, but the lasting image I have, there's there's a few of, first of all, Carpenter screaming in exhilaration of going the distance against his good buddy and winning that game. It was an epic playoff game. It's really mm-hmm. one of the great playoff games ever. But a lasting image, probably for the Phillies, and it's sad, it involved the St. Louis and Ryan Howard. He tore his Achilles on that play, and he fell down as the Cardinals are celebrating, and it was kind of emblematic of where both franchises were going at that point. I was about to say Tanner mentioned this the other day, and he's absolutely right. That was kind of the turning point for yeah. the Phillies franchise in a lot of ways. Like that that injury, he was supposed to be the connection between yep. where they were and where they were going, and then it just crumbles. Yeah. And, and they, now your plans are gone. They got old really fast, you know, and they had had Hunter Pence. They had uh, Chase Utley. They had Ryan Howard. I mean, they had a really good team, but that was kind of the symbolic sign that things are changing and they're changing in a hurry so looking forward to that we had ed wade on yesterday um their former general manager dan and i know we got to get out of here but he was first of all he was great but he was talking about how his motto at the time was get good and stay good that was the that was what they were trying to do philosophically and all i could think about is oh so you just took the cardinal way to philadelphia is basically what they tried to do and so i was curious you know is that sustainable does he believe Mm -hmm. that that is sustainable not 10 years ago, but now with, with the modern game and what um, LA is willing to spend and what these teams are willing to do with the, the tanking and then the peak years and then the tank again. And then the peak years, can you win a world series by consistently trying to get to 90 games and hopefully getting in and winning the way that you did 10 years ago? He said, he thinks that you can, and he still believes that John Moselock and the Cardinals, the way that they do things is the right way. And that they will eventually be able to get there. It's just a matter of time. But I, I thought it was really interesting hearing from him. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.